new series today called The One Another's, all right? And so you might be wondering, I never heard of like the one another's. What are the one another's? Um, what it is basically is studying the one another passages of the Bible. That we are like, as a church, like how we are supposed to live in light of the Bible and in our community together. Um, and the question is, like, the whole overarching series is, what does it mean to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? What does it mean to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? So this is like an important question we all need to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus. Um, and to live our lives worthy, like what it means to live our lives in light and worthy of the gospel. And so this series is focused on how we can grow in Christ-likeness through the expression of the one another passages in Scripture. So there is a number of one another passages, and we're going to break them down. We specifically are going to go through eight, so that's going to be eight weeks. We're going to take a break for Palm Sunday and Easter and every 12th, so that's three weeks in a row. And those Sundays, we're just going to talk about Palm Sunday and Easter and what they mean, because that's super important. Um, before, like last year, you know, we preached on Easter, like what is Easter? What does that mean? And there was like somebody who came up to me afterwards, and they're like, I, and they were like crying. They were just like, I did not know that's what Easter was about. And I'm like, you know, as a pastor, sometimes we take that for granted that we all know what Easter's about. We all know what Palm Sunday is about. And so we like to take a break from any series and just focus on Palm Sunday and Easter those Sundays. Um, but there's so many uh, one another pastors that we will be covering. But hopefully we have a better understanding of who Jesus is and who we're created to be. Um, so at J-Road, we talk so much about um, that instead of having church, we go out and and we talk all the time, like one of our biggest motto is be the church. Be the church. Because we know like in the Bible, the church was never referred to as a building. And many times in our culture, like we think of like church as a building. Like I go to church or, you know, this is my church. Um, but really when we talk about church, we should always be talking about this body of people that we live in gospel community with. Not necessarily a building. The building's super important, so we're not freezing or we're not getting rained on. But that's really the extent of what the building's for. But the, the building is where the church gathers. Um, some churches do community really, really well. I think we do community, like, well. I think we could always get better. Some churches, you know, that you might have been in, it's like you don't know the person who sits two rows in front of you any more than you would know the person who sits two rows in front of you at a movie theater. Right? And it's like, you know, I don't know these people. I, don't, I just come on Sundays, and I've been coming for two years, didn't know them. Um, and so, like, this is a way to not only get us to love each other well here, because if you're in this building and you consider J-Road your church, we are part of this church community. So we got to know how to live with each other well. And especially if you're in a missional community, how to love those people well, how to live with those people well, and, and edify each other the way the Bible calls us to edify each other. Um, because we aren't just strangers in a building. Like, we are part of the body of Christ. And so they say we're all part of the body of Christ. You know, some of the hands, some of the feet, some of the toes. You know, we're, uh, your might be an elbow. But every part is essential of the body of Christ. And no one part is more valuable than the other. And even it says in the Bible, the most unmentionable parts are sometimes more valuable than the most mentionable parts. And so the people that are serving in quiet are sometimes more valuable than those that are serving in front. So we all have a a role to play, and that is kind of what the one another's are about. Um, so we want to live in uh, community well. And that's, you know, last week we talked about this, um, 
why relationships are so important. You know, Justin was here preaching last Sunday about relationships and why relationships aren't just like a side thing about church that you could take it or leave it, but like relationships in the church are vitally important and relationships outside. Like you are created to be in relationships with other people. Like no questions asked. You are created that way. And it's kind of like Justin set up here, like a toy that comes with a slot for batteries. It's like we all were created with this void for relationships. And that's the way God created us. And it's good. Like to, and, and so we need that. We need relationships. We have a void there. And we need relationships. So that's kind of the other main point of this series. And we see in Hebrews 10, this isn't our main passage for today, but this is talking about relationships. In Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says this. And let us consider, okay, here we go. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up what? Okay. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I know this is the verse that your grandma said when you missed church for like two Sundays. You know, she quoted this to you like, hey, Let's not give up the assembly of the brethren, you know, and, and you need to be here. Um, but this verse is incredibly important because it's saying that no matter what you do, this is vitally important, that you don't stop being together as a church. That you don't stop coming to your missional community. That you don't stop going to church service on Sunday. That you don't stop going to ladies' Bible study or men's Bible study or whatever Bible study you're in. Like, you don't stop that. And it's vitally important you don't do that. As, and it says, as some are in the habit of doing. So we see that, like, some people just kind of, like, stopped going. And what happened when they stopped going? It became a habit of, like, you stopped going once, and it got easier. You stopped going twice. You stopped going four times. And, you know, this is, you know, unfortunately where a lot of people have gotten it. They miss church once, twice, ten times. They're just in the habit of not going. He said, this is not good. He's pleading with them. Do not stop meeting together. It's vitally important. And in light of this, it's safe to say that if, relationship, if we were created for relationships and relationships are so important in our life, it's safe to say that one of Satan's biggest tools is isolation. Satan wants nothing more than to get you off by yourself, get you alone in your home, get you alone in your bedroom, um, weeks and weeks of not meeting together as a church. Like Satan wants that. And one of his biggest tools is isolation. And so as Christians in the future, like if you ever find yourself in this place, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here this morning, um, but isolation is not good. When you're alone and apart from the body, there's no way that we can live out these one another statements each week that we'll be talking about because we're alone. There's nobody there to sharpen us. There's nobody there to encourage us. There's nobody there to confess your sins to. There's nobody there to do life with. And you know, Satan just wants to separate you from the body, and it's not good. So it's clear we need each other. And the other reason that relationships are so important is that Jesus made, like, the greatest commandment to include loving other people. If you remember the story, like, somebody went up to Jesus and said, I think they were trying to trap him or trick him, and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? Like, what are the greatest? Like, which one is more important than the others? And what did he say? Loving God and loving people. Loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbors yourself. 
If you do these two things, this sums up all the commandments, and you'll be doing great if you do these two things. I have it for you, Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. It says this. Jesus replied to this person, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is in light of the one another passages. Is, is like the two things we need to be doing more than anything are loving God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our bodies, and loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself. It's assuming that we love ourselves pretty easily. <laughs> self-preservation is something that comes pretty naturally. It's kind of one of our primal instincts is self-preservation. And they're saying the same way that you love yourself, you need to love your neighbor. Remember? Somebody's like, who is my neighbor? Then they told the story of the Good Samaritan. And in that story, their neighbor was, you're walking down the street and you see somebody laying in the ditch that you never met before, that's your neighbor. Love that person that you never met. So it's like anybody God puts in your path, you are called to love the same way Jesus loves us. It's super, super, super important. Because in our society, we want to love people that love us. Like our kids, our spouse. Maybe your kids don't love you. Maybe your spouse don't love you. I don't know. But we love the people who love us. And people are kind to us, we're kind to. People are nice to us, we're nice to. People are generous with us, we're generous to. But it's like the Bible takes it so much further than that and saying, no, love your what? Enemies. Love the people who hate you. Like, that's the people we got to love. And even the strangers that we don't even know. Um, so, so I hope I teased this out enough for this series and why it's so important that we are in human relationships and why it's so vital to our spiritual growth. Um, and this is a, an important point I want to make. It's not in the screens, but if you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. We cannot become who God is calling us to be without each other. Okay, I'm going to say it again. We cannot become who God is calling us to be without one another. And so part of God's plan for developing you in who you are supposed to be in the kingdom of God is going to include other people. Meaning, there are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God that somehow become fully sanctified and become everything God has called them to be all on their own without other people. It's super, super important. And this is why we're studying the one another's. And, you know, one week we'll talk about bearing one another's burdens, like how, how that looks, you know, because we're commanded to bear one another's burdens. We're commanded to confess our sins to one another. You know, I know none of us like to hear that, but when is the last time you confessed your deepest, darkest sin to another human being? That's super important. Like, and we're commanded to do it. You know, like, encourage one another, stir one another up. Like, there's so many of these good one another passages that we'll study, tease out, challenge each other to do. So we don't become a superficial 10 minutes after church community church, but we become really what the church was intended to be. Amen? All right. Amen. Um, so we cannot become who God is calling us to be without each other. So this week is... This week feels like I'm lobbing up a softball. You know, like, okay, Jim, like, we, we, this one seems really easy, but it's the first one, and I think this is the banner that all the other ones fall under. And so this week is um, to love one another, okay? And this is, again, seems like a softball, but I'll tease it out a little bit more. But this one, love, is supposed to be 
the banner in which all the other ones fall under. Love for one another is supposed to be the most important thing we do. It's one of the greatest commandments. It's supposed to be to love one another. And what does the Bible say? If I sell all my possessions and give every penny I have to the poor, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. Right? If I prophesy and speak wonders and mysteries from the Holy Spirit, but I don't have love, nothing. If I'm up here, somebody's Bible just started reading, so amen to whoever's looking at their Bible. (laughs) But if I don't have love, I have nothing. And so everything we do must be under a banner of love. Loving each other like our brothers and sisters, um, like our literal brothers and sisters. So the first point is love must start with Jesus. Love must start with Jesus. And here's kind of our main verse, and I'll build it out a little bit later, is this, John 13, 34. So if you're taking notes, it's John 13, 34. And Jesus says this, A new command I give you. So it's a new command, kind of fits in line with loving God and loving your neighbors, the greatest commandment. A new command I give you. Love one another as what? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. Why this is important to note, there's a little difference here, is in the greatest commandment, you know, it says love your neighbor as yourself, and that's important. But Jesus here kind of builds it out a little further, because in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, even way back in the Old Testament law, they do have one of the law is love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's just not a New Testament thing. And so the Old Testament says love your neighbor as yourself, and that's important. And then Jesus takes it a bit of a step further and says, I want you to love your neighbor as I have loved you. And that's super important. It's, a, it's different. It's different than you love yourself. Um, because we're supposed to love in the way that Jesus loved us. Um, so Jesus takes it a step further. Um, it says, if I have loved you. And so, in a nutshell, we need to be a conduit of Christ's love. So, as Christ, like most of us here, if you call yourself a Christian— We've accepted Christ's love into our hearts, and we love that. We've accepted his salvation. We've accepted his grace. We've accepted his mercy. And Jesus is saying, don't just accept it, but let it flow out of you into other people. And so when we say a conduit of Christ's love is we accept Christ's love, and then we let it flow through us to other people. Well, what's, what's the trick of that? What's the part of that? is if you haven't really accepted Christ's love, there's no way that it can flow through you into other people. And so it's supposed to be this conduit. It's supposed to, like we should receive it, let it flow through us to the people around you. It shouldn't stop with you. I heard it said like this, God's love in your life should be more like a highway and not a cul-de-sac. So when God's love comes in you, doesn't like spin around and is like, oh, I'm so good. I received God's love. It's saying, no, you need to receive God's love and then you need to give it out. It really needs to flow through you. It can't just be a cul-de-sac within you. It needs to be a highway that goes into the people that God puts in your life. It's super important that we understand that. This is why it's incredibly, incredibly important that we're not unequally yoked in marriage. So people that are thinking about marriage or single folks, It's why we do not compromise dating or falling in love with somebody who does not love Jesus. Because if they haven't received the love of Christ, it's not going to flow out into your marriage. 
And so it's going to flow out through you into your marriage, but it's going to be a one-sided highway. And that's why it's just so important. And, you know, many other thousand reasons why we shouldn't be unequally yoked. Um, We should take time, pray, and wait for that woman of God or that man of God um, because it's super important. Because how could somebody love you if they don't know love? And God is love, right? And so how could somebody love you if they don't know love? Um, So it's really important. God's love must not stop with you. Um, it's impossible to really truly love others until you've accepted God's love for you. Um, And we know this, and here's the gospel. God sent his son Jesus to die for you. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So God's love for you led him to send his son to die for you that whoever believes in him should not perish. So God sent his son Jesus to die for you. He loved you so much, Jesus gave his life. He died a painful death on Good Friday so that me and you can live. It wasn't like, he did it because he wanted to spend, um, he wanted to spend eternity with you. You were creating his image, you were valuable, you were his child. And so Jesus died for us. And every year, every day, every moment, we should receive that gospel and live out the gospel and let it flow to other people. So if Jesus died for us, what inconveniences must we endure to love our neighbor? If Jesus died for us, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as Jesus loved us, what inconveniences should we endure to love our neighbors? Yeah, die to ourselves, And really die to ourselves, and, and whatever it is, and, and maybe it's not even that dramatic, it doesn't come to that, but our neighbor says, hey, I need help, I'm struggling, and you say, I'll make a meal. You know, dying to yourself, making a meal, you know, not quite the same degree. But if this is true, this is definitely true, right? <laughs> like, like somebody's like, like, what does love look like if Jesus said we're supposed to love other people like he loved us? And what inconveniences must we endure? And how must we go above and beyond to love our neighbors? And not what society says, but what the Bible says. So here's a couple points about Jesus' love. We are supposed to love everyone, not just those that love us. Okay, we're supposed to love everyone, not just those who love us. Because the world says, like, love those who love you. Hey, you show me respect, I'll show you respect. You cross me, you know, you're done. You know, like, that's not the way of Jesus. And so, in 1 John four nineteen, it says, we love because he first loved us. Like, Jesus loved us before we ever loved him. And so that's super important to realize because whether somebody's disrespecting you, whether somebody does not give you the time of day and they might need your help and you might need to show them love, we're supposed to love them in the same way because God loved us before we actually loved him. And the world just tells us to love those who love us. Um, The other one is, is we didn't deserve God's love. This is a super important part of the gospel we need to understand. I'm not saying that you are uh, all just horrible people and you should feel bad about yourselves right now in this moment. But here's the fact of the matter is sin is an abomination to God. And before we became Christians, we were enemies of God. Like enemy enemies. We were in enmity with God. And so... We were sinners. The Bible says that every single one of us has fallen short in sin and fallen short of the glory of God. So we were sinners, 
And Jesus showed his love to us, and yet we were still sinners. So we weren't deserving of the cross. That was amazing grace, right? We weren't deserving of the cross. That was amazing grace. So if you look to love people who were just deserving of it, like, hey, I'll help this person because they're a really good person, and I think they deserve it. Like, we should love those people and help those people, but we should also love and help people that don't deserve it, right? Like, that may not deserve it or that we think might not deserve it. Um, look at Romans 5, 8 on the screens um, if you're taking notes. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We did not deserve the cross. Um, but it, he brought it to us because he loved us. And then those that turned and put their faith in him received the blessings of salvation. And that's what we're called to do. Um, but the world tells us to love those who deserve it, and that's not true. So if we want to love people the way Jesus does, we love people before they love us, and then we love the most undeserving people in the world if it comes down to it. Because we were the most undeserving people of Christ's love, and he lavished his love upon us. Also, we're called to love people that have sinned against us and wronged us. And if you're having a hard time with that, Think about all the times that you've sinned against God and really just spit or trampled on the cross metaphorically with our sin, and he forgives us and welcomes us and makes us white as snow. And he says, I forgive you, and I'll forgive you, I forgive you. And that's why he says to us, we're supposed to forgive people 70 times 7, because he constantly forgives us in all of our mistakes, in all of our ugliness, in all of our screw-ups. He welcomes us and lavishes grace and love upon us, even though that we are hopeless sinners. And so when somebody just wrongs us, how can we not do the same back to them and just say, I love you, I forgive you. Hey, I can relate to how you feel because you sinned against me. Hey, man, I, you know our Lord and Savior created the world with his very breath. I sin against him every day. And he lavishes his grace and love upon me. I got to give that out to you. And that's why, like, Jesus is so mad when his church is, like, not forgiving of other people. He's saying, look at how much you've been forgiven. And if you can't be a conduit for that, it might be a sign that you don't even know me. And so we need to let that flow through us because of how much Jesus has forgiven us, right? Like how much he's forgiven us. Um, so those are the hardest to love. We must love because at one point we were enemies of God. Christ died for us. So here's a good question um, for all of us. Uh, how should people know that we are Christians? All right, now, all of you who know the answer, don't say it. Let me, let me tease this out a little bit. All right. Because your bumper sticker on your car? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he didn't say that. What would you say? Yeah, yeah, because we say we are, yeah. If I say I'm a Christian, yeah. Yeah, and so is it our bumper sticker on our car, or like little Christian fish, or the J-Road sticker? Um, what are some other ways that we say we're Christians? What are some other ways that we identify as a Christian? Through our actions, yeah. What about, like, I'm not knocking this, but what about, like, on our social media, like on Facebook, you get a little chance to, like, say your religion. It's like, I don't say Christian, I say follower of Jesus. You know, like, that's good. I wear, I'm a follower of Jesus too. Um, 
But we say on Facebook or on Instagram, you have a little blurb, child of God. Yeah, Tammy. Yeah, people hear you, they say you have a blessed day, and they're like, okay, might be some, she might have some faith, you know. Like these are ways that, what are other ways we tell people we're Christians or the world knows we're Christians? Other than a bumper sticker, t-shirt, Facebook, Instagram, or like a greeting, or like our voicemail, you know, at the end. What's that? Yeah, you wear a cross, and you, you know, you see the cross, and you're like, that person must be a Christian. Um, the Bible gives like this, like, really, like, clear picture of how we are supposed to identify to the world. So even if you do none of those things, like you don't put it on your profiles, you don't wear a cross, you don't have a bumper sticker, you don't say any of these things, like, there is one way it says the world should see us and they should know that we are followers of Christ. Let me, let me read it here in John 13, 34 through 35. It says this, uh, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. This is our one another statement of the week. All right, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And the second part of this is, by this, everyone will know that you are my what? If you love one another. And so, if we don't have love for one another, not just in our church, but also in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our, you know, neighborhoods, wherever that is. If we don't get seen and noticed and pointed out because of our love, you know, like, we should be pointed out because of that, and people should say, there's something different about that person. Oh, they're a Christian, that makes sense. I know they're a Christian because of how much they love people. I noticed that the neighbor's trash blew over, and they were in their yard at 5 a.m. picking up all their trash, and they, that person just does that stuff. They're really good, nice people. I have a feeling they're Christians by their love. And Jesus said, this should be like one of our main identifiers is because of our love. And that should be the way people identify us. It doesn't have to be with our words. It just is with our actions, you know, that we are identified by our love. And so if you want the world to know that you are a Christian, love people. Um, a lot of this uh, one another, this one another study that I told our missional, communities, our, our missional communities about is by this guy named Garrett Higby. He wrote this um, really good small group material to go with this. And one of the things he said for the love one another, he has this quote, it says this, our love for one another should be our boldest witness to a desperate and dying world. This should be our boldest witness. And I think a lot of times we think, man, I wish I knew apologetics a little more. I wish I knew I could, like, argue with this atheist at work a little more. And I think what God's saying is, if you love people well, this is going to be your boldest witness. If you love people well, this is our boldest witness. And, like, in a world that has struggles with loving people, we need to love people because this will be our boldest witness to a desperate and dying world. This is what sets us apart from the rest of the world is our love for one another. And so you might be asking, Jim, how do I practically love people? Like after this Sunday, you know, um, after this service, how do we go out and love people? And I just want to start with like the low-hanging fruit, all right, and for self-evaluation. And I think about a low-hanging fruit because it's easy, it's right there. You know, let's not go for like the super complicated stuff. Let's just go for the low-hanging fruit. And so here's some self-diagnosis. Are you harboring bitterness or unforgiveness? Um, that's not love. 
we need to we need to work that out before the cross and before those people that were holding back bitterness or unforgiveness. Are you seeing a need in in somewhere in your life, in somebody's life, and you're not helping? You know, that's not love. Are you avoiding someone who God has placed in your life because you don't like them? That's not love. Are you angry at someone and not resolving it? That's not love. Are you gossiping about somebody behind their back in the church or in the world or in your workplace? That's not love. Right? Those are things to repent of and ask Jesus to forgive you for and correct. But that's the low-hanging fruit, right? Like just, if you do those things, that is not showing love. Um, and so love would be correcting it and, and working on it. Um, so for Christians, it's not a suggestion. It's not something we should do. We must love one another. It's not an option. And here's this. Here's like one more hard part in 1 John 4.20. It um, takes it a step further. And it says, if you have any animosity towards a brother or sister, it might be a sign that you don't actually love God. And like, this is like one of those wake-up call things in the Bible that should be like, whoa. And listen to this in 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates, his, hates a brother or sister, is a liar. It's like, you do not love God if you hate your brother or sister, Christians. It says, for whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. It's like, whoa, talk about a gut punch. God, what are you saying? Am I even a Christian? And it's saying, if you're here and you hate somebody in the church, you might be a liar and you don't love God. And so, oh, if that's you and your heart's breaking or you're scared, fall and like repent and say, God, forgive me. And I'm going to go talk to this person and I, I, I repent of this. And God's like, I forgive you, you know, but... This is supposed to be one of those things that break our heart and it should be one of those things that draw us back to Jesus. As Christians, we are not allowed to hold forgiveness from people and we are not allowed to hate people in the church. Not supposed to happen. We're not supposed to gossip. We're not supposed to be mean. We're not supposed to be unkind to those in church. We are supposed to love everybody. All right, I'm going to tease out one more point, but the worship team come forward because I only have like two more minutes left, a minute left. That's what all pastors say. Um, worst team come forward. I'll be really quick. Um, last but not least, love must be an action. If you simply say you love each other but don't have any actions, it means nothing. And not sh- just showing love to those who love you, but anyone and everyone God puts in your path. Um, so actions is important. Not to just say, hey, I love you. I hope you're good. You know, like in the Bible where it says if somebody has a need and they tell you, and you say, oh, God bless. See you later. I'll pray for that. It's like, no, we should actually do something. We should actually get out our wallets. We should actually Venmo them some money. We should actually help them. We should actually go over to their house and help them. And so in 1 John 3.16, it talks about actions are more important than our words. In 1 John 3.16-18, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has a material possession, meaning if you have money, if you have a little extra money, and you see a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Can we love each other with actions and truth? 
and not just lip service, but actually our words and, you know, our pocketbooks or our time. It doesn't have to be money. It could be our time. Like somebody's struggling, you go over there and help them, you know. And this is how the church should be asking us. So I'm leading all of us, including myself, to live like Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for others and out of obedience for God the Father. So we must love others regardless if it's convenient or not. Someone in your missional community is in the hospital, we're making meals for them, right? Someone at work has a flooded basement, we are going over to their house and seeing how we can mop it up, and we are taking, uh, and we're just trying to take them out. If someone's down or somebody's hurting, we sit with them and weep with them and talk with them. We are trying to love others in the same degree that Jesus loves us. And that is hard, and that's a worthy pursuit for believers. That everything we do Everything we say be under this banner of love. Because God loved us, we should let it flow to other people. Let me pray. God, um, we know how much you loved us and how much you care about us and how much you've given for us to be in relationship with us. And God, help us, A, not hold back forgiveness for anybody, anytime. Help us, B, not gossip or be mean or hurt our brothers and sisters in Christ, but love one another well. Help us not just say we love people, but God, help us put actions to it. And as the next few weeks, as we learn about the one another's, help us practice all of them under a spirit of love. God, we know that love is not just a feeling, but it's a choice because you wouldn't command us to do something that happens by feeling. So God, help us today choose and will it in our lives to love others in the same way you love us. So we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.